Welcome to another episode of Investing Compass. Before we begin, a quick note that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into account your personal situation, circumstances, or needs. So anyone who actually listens to the end of this thing, Shawnee, like really the end, you, as soon as you finish your bit, you just like get off. I sign off. I'm you're off. like, yeah. <laughs> I'm at home by the time you finish Yeah, you're thing. <laughs> taking your headphones off and like just out of here. But then I go through and I always say that my email address is in the show notes. And we also have, of course, the ability to leave us a voicemail. Mm-hmm. And we do episodes based on that. And we're going to do one today. So once again, it's an encouragement that if you have questions or episode ideas, send them through. If you leave a voicemail, we'll actually put you on here and you can hear yourself on the podcast. Yeah, we're not picky. Like we've basically done every single request. Well, yeah, because it it gets to the point where you're trying to come up with new ideas (laughs) and it's helpful. And we have, and I haven't checked in a little bit, but I think we have roughly three, four billion listeners. Mm -hmm. So your voicemail will get played to all of those people. Exactly. All right. So let's get started, Shani. Yes. What is today? Well, it was a question about asset allocation from Ciara, and I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce that correctly. I know I've said a lot during the podcast that people say my name incorrectly. But. Yeah. So so we're going with Ciara, though. Ciara. Ciara. Yeah. Okay. Not to be con- like, because I want to say Sierra, like the singer. Or the mountains. Yeah, exactly. We're going Ciara. Ciara. Yes. Okay. Um, so she sent an email asking about the process, about the considerations for when you're switching asset classes at different stages of life and your investing journey. And she says that she realized that she needs to change her super from the default balance portfolio to high growth because she's 37 and she'll be working for the next 30 years. But she's not sure about when she should do it, whether she should wait for markets to settle, whether she should base it on asset values. And she explains that if she swaps now, She'll be locking in losses, but will also get the chance to make more when the market gets better, or whether she'd hold out until the market gets better and buy in at the top end. She wants to know if there are other factors that she should be thinking about before switching. And so far, she's laid the groundwork by contacting her super and finding out what assets are in each of the portfolios that they offer. Now, obviously, we can't give Ciara personal advice, but we want to walk through some considerations. But before we get into her personal situation, let's talk about one of the biggest pitfalls in investing, and that's behavioral risk. Basically, the risk that we make poor decisions that impact our inability to achieve a goal. Yeah, and to be clear, you will make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But what we're trying to do is minimize those mistakes by being as thoughtful as possible about what we do. Now, it's easy for us to sit here and preach about not making mistakes, but obviously no investor is trying to do that. We tell ourselves stories and we create justifications in our head for our actions. And what is not recognized is that we do the same thing to justify our inactions. And remember that a mistake can be doing something stupid, but sometimes the stupid thing to do is not doing anything at all. And we see this all the time. People create reasons to not do something. It isn't the right time to start investing or to adjust your asset allocation as Ciara is contemplating. So the first thing we want to do is to examine the two reasons she gave for not making the switch. When would these reasons not be justified to make a change? So let's start with waiting for the markets to settle. And, you know, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure what that means, but my guess is that it means waiting until things, quote unquote, feel safe. 
And there are very few times that the market is going to feel safe. And any time that it does feel safe, it might be a sign to run for the hills. That is because many investors think the market is safe when it has gone up for several years in a row and has gone up a lot. If we go back to 1946 and look at the S&P 500, in 72% of the years, it has gone up. That basically means that it goes down in one out of four years. Now, obviously, it can go on both positive and negative streaks, but that still means that there's more years it goes up in a row, the bigger the chance that it will go down the next year. And more importantly than that, we need to look at the current scenario. This is not about timing the market, so going 100% to cash because things don't feel safe or going 100% into shares because things do feel safe. This is just about switching asset allocation. So yes, moving from a balanced portfolio to a high growth portfolio will mean that she will have bigger losses if the market tanks next year, but that, of course, is just one year. And as Ciara pointed out, she has a 30-year time horizon for her investments. And when she retires, I doubt she's going to look back on what she did in her super between 37 and 38 years old and worry if the high growth option underperformed the balanced option. She's going to look at how she did over the entire time frame. The second reason that she gave was locking in losses. So this is what we call mental accounting. Mental accounting is referring to putting different values on the same amount of money and using that as a justification to make decisions. For instance, saving cash into a savings account when you have really high interest credit card debt makes us feel good that we're saving, but in reality, we get poorer every day by not paying off that credit card. When it comes to locking in losses, this mental accounting comes from the fact that many of us chase watermarks. We see our account balances go up and down, and we keep that up number in our head. The largest amount that your portfolio contained becomes a watermark that we must reach before we sell again. And this is just playing a game with the future that means you may end up just unnecessarily delaying goals. We have no idea when markets will recover. We have no idea if the time frame it takes for an investment to reach its high again. But still, we continue to measure the performance not by what it has done since we have acquired it, but the high that it has reached since then. And this can be mitigated by going through the portfolio construction process and understanding what you actually need to achieve to reach your goal. But as humans, we're still tied to this idea of achieving the maximum return possible and maximizing our wealth as much as possible. As investors, we're not just chasing an imaginary number on a screen. We need to think of investments as vehicles. And if we're we're reaching the last stop in the train line, it's the destination we want to be at and we need to get off. There's no reason for us to stay on board and do another loop. And the money that you have today is the money you have today. And what this is about is making the best decisions you can make today with that money. So because we know this is a challenge for many people, we would encourage Ciara to think of her super as the balance and not the specific investment choices in there. And the advantage of locking in losses is that you don't have to pay taxes. That removes one of the considerations in changing investments. But since taxes are a consideration for some people with appreciated assets, let's quickly cover this off. So there are a couple things you need to consider. And yes, we are going to do a little bit of math for a second. So we apologize for that. But let's say that you have an investment valued at $10,000, which you bought for $5,000. I put this into a capital gains calculator and assume that someone with taxable income of $100,000 a year owned the asset for less than one year and they were selling it. I'm proud of you for using an online calculator. You love online calculators. <laughs> so yes, I did. I'm really growing as a person here, Shawnee. So the calculator tells me that my marginal tax rate is 32.5% on that $5,000 gain. 
That means once you pay your taxes, you will have $8,375 left to invest. And what that means is that the next investment you make needs to make up for that amount you just paid in taxes. Now, I will use a calculator. So let's say that you hold that investment for five years, which considering the last one you held for less than a year is a long time. I use the Morningstar Investor Portfolio Projection Tool to run a couple of scenarios. Investing $10,000 a year for five years at 7% a year will give you $14,693. Pretty good. I then use the required rate of return calculator to see what return is needed to get from $8,375 to $14,693. And guess what? It's 11.3%. That's a big difference, which means that this must be a really good investment opportunity, much better than what you hold. Now, obviously, taxes are lower in super, and they're lower if you hold the asset more than a year, but that was really just illustrative. And the lesson is that a bunch of short-term trading is a really good way of making sure you don't maximize your wealth. Okay, let's get back to Ciara. We've looked at both of her potential reasons for not making the switch. Now, let's explore if she should be investing in high growth. Now, we can't answer that question for Ciara, but we will once again go back to the basics of investing. Over the long term, we exchange risk or volatility for returns. The more an investment bounces around, the higher your return should be over the long term. So when you have these pre-mixed portfolios, the higher growth options have more growth assets. They should bounce around more in the short term, but have higher returns over the long term. And let's look at Australian Super as an example. Their high growth portfolio returned 10.28% a year over 10 years through June 2022. Over the same time period, their balanced portfolio returned 9.32% a year. The stable portfolio returned 5.67%. So immediately we can say that over the long term, the higher risk portfolios did have higher returns. And they may not seem like big differences, but let's say you have $25,000 invested 10 years ago. In high growth, you would have $66,500. In balance, you would have $61,000. And in stable, you would have $43,400. So Ciara should have more money in a high growth option especially one that is widely diversified, like many of these premix super funds. But there are reasons she shouldn't do this, and both of those have to do with volatility. The first reason is if she doesn't have a long time horizon. In her case, she has 30 years, but if she had two years, then that volatility could be a really bad thing for her because the more risk she takes on, the bigger the dispersion of potential short-term returns are, which could, of course, cause her to not achieve her goal. The second reason is if she does not need to earn a higher return to achieve her goal. Go back and listen to our portfolio construction episodes, but if she has calculated her required rate of return and she doesn't need that high of a return, her risk capacity or the amount of risk needed to achieve her goal is lower. In that case, she needs to consider if the high volatility will cause her to make more mistakes, and most investors do make poor decisions when faced with high volatility. Knowing her risk capacity or the amount needed to have the retirement she wants should help her stay focused on her goal and hopefully ignore the short-term volatility. But she should also be cognizant of the impact, aware that if she doesn't need as high of a return, the balanced portfolio will likely help her resist doing something foolish like switching to a stable portfolio if the market starts falling. So there we go, Shani. Once again, my email address and... The way to leave us a voicemail is in the show notes. So if you have a question and you would like it on Investing Compass, just send that through. And also we would always, as always, appreciate any comments or ratings that you leave in your podcast app. 
Any advice in this podcast is general advice or regulated financial advice under New Zealand law prepared by Morningstar Australasia Proprietary Limited and or Morningstar Research Limited without reference to your financial objectives, situations or needs. You should consider the advice in light of these matters and any relevant product disclosure statement before making any decision to invest. To obtain advice for your own situation, contact a financial advisor.